0: Welcome in to the second episode of season nine of Maroon and Bold. I'm your sports editor, Austin Chastain, alongside. Well, I say it every time, but alongside in in the Zoom call with staff reporter Christian Boer. Christian, how are things going, man?
1: Uh, Not too bad. Obviously, still not ideal conditions in the world today and society. There's just a lot going on, Um, and it's hard to kind of divvy up, you know, where the attention needs to be because you got academics, um, you've got some semblance of athletics, not a whole lot going on in that world. And then you have all these social issues that need attention too. So it's kind of a complicated time nowadays, but you know, like I always say, you got to keep doing only what you can do and control only what you can control. So it's kind of important to really narrow the focus down to the things that are important to me.
0: Some semblance of athletics news. um, Rachel Blunt named just, just here on Thursday, she was named, the interim athletic director taking over for Michael Alford. Um, you know, he obviously found the uh, found the news hit on that and 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 got that got that out to people uh, Thursday morning. So, you know, what is there to what is there to to maybe know about Rachel Blunt and uh, kind of what she's looking to do?
1: Well, she does a lot for the student athletes around here. You know, she has a lot of different roles. You know, she works with compliance. Um, she leads a lot of different programs within the athletic department. So I think this is a really, really good hire for them and, and on an interim basis. And I think that this is also a person where if you go out and you take a look at five or six, seven, maybe eight, or nine candidates, and you don't find somebody that you think fits the bill around here then maybe you could run with this long term. you know, I'm not sure that's necessarily the case, and, you know, cause Rachel obviously has a, a court position of her own that at the end of the day, she's going to probably have to do. Uh, I know she's really, really well respected in the athletics community. Like I said, she does a lot for the student-athletes. So I think that this is the right hire for an interim-based thing because she can still kind of do both of her jobs. She's on the search committee to find the new AD. It'll be, it'll be a really unique, I think, next two, three weeks to where, you know, you're going to get to see kind of what she can do, but at the same time, you're also going to, get to start hearing some names pop up, bounce around. And, oh, but it's kind of exciting to think about where this program's heading. You know, Michael Alford had a good run and he's going to get a, a big job at a power five school now and time for a change. And, you know, change is always exciting. So it'll be fun to monitor that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Rachel Blunt, uh, spent, she came over to CMU, uh, in 2016 after spending quite a significant amount of time at, uh, Southeast Missouri state. Uh, she played basketball over there. Um, and then she held a number of different, uh, positions within, the um, athletic department after her time as a player was, was over and done with. Um, So, and and like you said, she's, she's been around CMU for quite some time and kind of has that kind of like what we were talking about last week, kind of has that uh, understanding of, of Mount Pleasant of CMU and, and and the culture around here. So um, yeah, uh, like you said, you know, even if it's just for an, interim basis, Um, you know, great hire, I think, uh, I think she'll do, she'll do a, I think she'll do a fine job uh, leading the charge for the athletic program. So um, other than that, today's show is going to be a little bit different. It's, it's obviously, yes, there is probably some sort of sports news to to talk about, Um, but I wanted to make it a little bit different this week. And this week we are, and and we're going to start to kind of do this a little bit more and more. So let us, let us know, uh, let us know if you guys like this or not. Um, But today is the day we're going to pick our five favorite moments and games in CMU history. And we're talking all sports Um, and any, any sport you can think of. We um, we're going to touch on it. There's a, pretty common theme i think between um at least mine i i have no idea what what christian has written down um on his side and likewise he doesn't know what i have written down so with um with that christian do you do you have any any honorable mentions or do do you do you have are you starting at five
1: well i'm gonna say the honorable mentions for the end in case you know you don't say them or they're on your okay. list, so
0: I like it. I like but it.
1: But I am gonna get right into this, and I'm gonna go inverse. I'm gonna start with my number one, actually. Okay, I like it. I don't. I don't want you to take it per se. Oh man, um, my number one: uh, being a nine-year-old kid in my actually no, I wasn't nine at the time. I was eight years old. Being an eight-year-old kid in the basement. It's a school night. Uh, it's the fir- Actually, it's a, it's a Monday night, right after we got back from Christmas break. Uh, Chip was down in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, You got Dan LeFever out there, my hero back in the day, believe it or not. And then you got Antonio Brown. Uh, Yes. yes. It's exciting. Um, Brian Anderson, Antonio Brown, all those guys. That comeback in the GMAC Bowl in 2010 easily tops the charts. It was awesome to watch being a 9 year old kid, being involved uh, with that whole program and that team. And that was part of the reason why I kind of decided on CMU, obviously. You know, in my younger days, I wanted to come here and play quarterback. I don't think that's the case anymore. I just don't have the wing for it. But still, to kind of think about moments like that, especially that game, it's really cool. You know, the whole way they came back in the fourth, and Antonio Brown running the kickback. Regardless of what you think about him now, he still played a huge role in that program and that offense. Was a really good player here, so... You can't necessarily discount that, but, but yeah, that my number one. is the 2010 GMAC Bowl Central Michigan over Troy.
0: Funny story in that, in that game. Um, obviously it's, you know, it's, it's one of your stories, but, um, your dad, t- and it involves that, that Antonio Brown, uh, return for a touchdown. What, what did your dad, what did your dad tell you? And keep in mind, Christian was really young at, yeah. at this point. So yeah, let's, was, what's, what's, that, what's that story old. again?
1: I was eight years old and Chippewas were down thirty-one to nineteen. And being an eight-year-old kid, and you know Lafeevers a senior, Brown's a junior, but you knew he was leaving. Brian Anderson's a senior. All these guys are seniors. I'm like, Dad, this is over. You know, it's the last time I'm going to get to watch a play, and they're going to lose. I said, Dad, I'm going to bed. And he said, You know what? No, you can go to bed if Antonio Brown doesn't run this kickoff back. If he runs this kickoff back, you got to stay up and got to watch the rest of the game. If not, you can go to bed. And sure enough, Antonio Brown runs that stick and kick back the end zone. So. We stayed up and we watched the rest of that game, and and they won. It was a really cool bonding moment with my dad. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I'm where I am today. It's really, really cool to think about.
0: Absolutely, man, and, uh, and Dad's a CMU alum as well, so yes. that's kind of that. Really, that uh, that that bond, man. That's 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 really cool, and that's you know one of the one of the best games I think in. Uh, CMU football history. Um, yes, I think according in, in, in the media guide from uh, last football season, um, I think it said it's one of the best, um, one of the best games. So, Do, do you, do you want to keep going down your list or do we want to go alternate? We can go every other.
1: Every All right. Other
0: okay. Um, man, I don't know if I want to start with my number one or my number five. Do
1: what you gotta do, I'm going to go
0: backwards. Okay, so I'm okay. going to go inverse of you. So I'm going to start with my number five. 1994 CMU football at Bowling Green, the Fat Punter game. I say in quotation marks. CMU and Bowling Green battling back and forth. Um, winner takes all. Goes wins the MAC and goes to the Las Vegas Bowl. Intense battle, right? This this game, um, back and forth. Bowling Green's up 25-21 in the fourth quarter. And Craig Fisher, known as the fat punter, again in quotation marks, calls his own number and runs a fake punt and runs it 73 yards for a touchdown. CMU wins the game. That um, it's it's one of it's one of those that it's just so weird. You just don't expect it to happen, but it um, it's one of it's one of one of my favorites. Um, just just how bizarre that 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 it is just to watch it over and over again on YouTube. It's it's just it, mind boggling that that uh, he takes off takes off down the field and, and sprints, brings it home for six points.
1: That's wild.
0: Yeah, dude. That's it's wild. it's it's bizarre. And when when uh, CMU played at Bowling Green um, back at last October, I saw that that play start to circle around a little bit. Again, of course. And I just kept laughing at him. I just come on, man. That shouldn't happen. <laughs> shouldn't happen. All right. What's your number two?
1: My uh, number two, we're going to stay in the football script. We're going to stay in 2009. And we're going to travel on down the road, down 27, or 127, sorry, to East Lansing and talk about Andrew Aguilar kicking a field goal through to beat Michigan State. You know, listening to the Coach Mack podcast when play-by-play broadcaster Adam Jackson uh, interviewed Butch Jones, him and Coach McElwain did. They interviewed Butch Jones, and Butch Jones told that story of his dad having recently passed away before that game, and Butch Jones was carrying around his dad's police badge, and he showed it to Andrew Angle, and he said, all you got to do is kick it. Dad will take care of the rest. And the funny part about that story is that Aguila missed the first field goal and now a lot of people talk about that but the guy jumped off sides from Michigan State and so there might have been a little divine intervention there. I think that was a super cool comeback for them you know at the end and then playing for the win and not getting it but obviously recovering the outside kick and yeah it was that's another fascinating game for CMU football and you know, they had a great run with them guys, the fever and Brown and Anderson and all those guys just a heck of a run. And I think that Michigan state game was kind of their shining moment. If not for that bowl game. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll come back to that game in a little bit. Um, this, of course I, I put that one down on my list as well, but a little bit different. Uh, let's see. Keep, keep on working down the list. My number four, Going really recently, you'll kind of see a pattern of of some recent um, events and, and games. The 2019 CMU baseball team that that team not only was it really fun to cover that team um, because they they had a lot of fun and, and honestly they were all really nice guys. Um, but the you know that that fun in the dugout, the kind of sh- the shenanigans that uh, that we kind of grew accustomed to see it translated to success on the field Um, and they were able to go, go win um, not only the Mac regular season title, but then the Mac tournament title. Um, And then they went on and won that uh, regional opener against, against Miami, Florida. And um, just the amount of success that, that, that team had. Um, I know we're kind of thinking about like one game or one moment, but just that whole season. Um, Yeah. But the, the dog pile that that they had at at, at Tennyson Stadium, um, when they won the the regular season conference title, um, that that that's one of those. I mean, I was there to there to cover it, and that's kind of one of those moments that kind of sticks out um, from that season. Because I mean, they went on, I think, a twenty game winning streak, I, something along those lines. I can't remember the actual number, but they needed to win all of those games to win the Mac regular season championship. And, and they pulled it off. And that, that's, that's one of the, I guess one of the more fa- one of my favorite games that I've, that I've covered here at CMU for, for CM life. So that um, yeah, that's, that's my number four, that, that whole team, but that, that moment, that dog pile, um, after winning the, uh, after they won the Mac regular season championship. That's one of, that's my number four.
1: Yeah. And this isn't a, on my list, but you mentioning that team made me think about last year, you know, being a high school kid on a baseball team that was very similar and that we like to have fun in the dugout and energy. We also won a lot of games sitting there and watching them play Miami of Ohio and watching David Cole take that fastball off the elbow, going down, <laughs> And then immediately just getting up, sprinting to first base. All the guys are going nuts. Like, that's the kind of that's why you play the game, man. Like, that, that stuff's incredible. And it, it shows that the difference between D1 baseball kids and, you know, junior high or high school kids, the talent gap, obviously. But in terms of just love of the game, general, you know, having fun, there's really not that big of a difference. And I thought that was really cool to see.
0: Yeah, yeah, the that 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 game against against the Hurricanes. I mean, and it, it was such a close game. It was such an intense game. And that moment, I think it was in the seventh inning, if I'm not mistaken, just seemed to completely turn the game on its head. Because that was kind of going back to, oh, let's just have a good time. We're 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 here for fun. Like, obviously, you're here to win a championship, but it's all fun. Right. Uh, I think that that moment that that was like the key moment in that game. So that's, that's one, uh, definitely won't, won't forget. All
1: right. What's your number three? Number three. Well, let's see here. So I've attended a few games in person in my life. I would have to say the top, my favorite one I ever came to and this one gets number three just because I was there in person. It's Central Michigan-Toledo. And there's the common theme again. It's that same team, that 2019. Central Michigan-Toledo. It was either a Wednesday or a Thursday. It was Veterans Day. It was a Thursday night. Maction. ESPN. Nationally televised. Central Michigan just feeds up on Toledo. Dan Lefevre runs for four touchdowns. Throws for two more. Before last year, it was the last time we had beaten Toledo. Central Michigan had to beat Toledo. And, you know, it was just cool to be there and be a part of it and the whole atmosphere at Kelly Shorts. But, yeah, that was probably my number three, just watching them take it to Toledo. Yeah, it was really, really cool.
0: Yeah, that that season, um, you know, he had obviously mentioned Lafever's dominance. Um, I mean, he's... And I, like we had mentioned before, Dan Lefever um, is a member of the the Hall of Fame CMU Athletics Hall of Fame class of 2020, um, and he's still like on the top of almost all of the offensive records um, in CMU history, and close to the top in Mid American Conference history, and I believe he still holds all the or still holds holds the. Record number of career touchdowns. I think with 150 in Division One history. I think. I think. I think I read that right. I, I think. I don't remember if I read that right or not. But I think. Um, but still, I mean, I I'll be honest with you. I didn't really follow CMU that closely. Um, I knew that that t- that 2019 was was something special. Um, so I kept tabs on it, you know, as best I could. Um, but there were a lot of people calling for uh, for Dan LeFever to uh, make his way to New York that first Heisman. weekend in December. Yeah, to be a Heisman finalist. Yeah. Quick side question. Do you think LeFever should have uh, been a Heisman finalist that year?
1: Well, you know, there were a lot of dudes in college football at that time who were incredible. Tim Tebow, Sam Bradford, those kind of guys. Cole McCoy, like. They deserved all the recognition you got. You can only have so many, and so to exclude somebody from the Power Five who who deserves it in favor of mid-major kid doesn't always look the best. But I certainly think Dan Lefebvre could have played at a high level against any competition that year. He was just bad guy. You know, it didn't pan out in the NFL for him, but he was. not and that's not me speaking as somebody who like worshipped him as a kid. But this is me talking in terms of going back and and re-watching some of those games and seeing the things he did, the dude could move, and he also had, like, a cannon. So he was everything you could ask for out of a quarterback, and it just so happens that kind of that whole spread-oriented, you know, you're not taking snaps under center, kind of, it wasn't necessarily a pro-style offense at that time. Had he been running that now, in this day and age, when the NFL is a little bit more open, I think he might be all right, but it was just a different time. You know, a decade or so ago, and so it didn't work out for him, but he was definitely deserving of any recognition that he got
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was like you said, kind of been able to go back and, and watch some of uh, games from that two thousand and nine season. just incredible how he was just he took command of the offense and said, eh, screw you defense we're going to do what we want anyways and just kind of just kind of kick him in the mouth, so that was um that was that's been that was really has been fun to watch for sure. All right, my number three. We're gonna really step back the clocks here. Nineteen seventy four, CMU against Delaware for the Division Two National Championship. CMU builds a well, an ultimately insurmountable thirty eight or thirty to eight lead. Excuse me, thirty to eight lead at halftime. Dick Durham's running game absolutely dominant kind of kind of like the fever's running game uh, so to speak um, cmu ends up going on to win win the game i think 54-17 to me looking back at that game it just kind of solidified that cmu was ready to make that jump to to division 1 um and i'm not sure exactly how the the conversation went but if it's if it was more okay if we win the national championship we're going to go to division 1 um, or we're going to go to division one, no matter what happens, um, either way. I mean, it's either, okay, here, here we have a little bit of credibility. We just stomped everybody. <laughs> we just stomped Delaware in, uh, in the national championship game. We're ready for division one or, Hey, look what we just did. Like, okay. That justifies, yeah, we're going to division one. So, and it's the only national championship team use one in football. So, um, Kind of a kind of a big deal, the yeah. So that's yeah. that obvious, Obviously, I wasn't around to see that, but I've been able to go back and watch some, some YouTube videos on it and um, watch the game. And um, yeah, it was it was it was a fun game for sure. All right, so you're working backwards. So is this is this your four. number three? you're number four. Okay.
1: Yeah. So we're switching gears now. We're going to Madura Arena, and we're going to talk a little bit about Marcus Keene and oh. the uh, the boys over there, him and you know he got a lot of the credit that year, but Braylon Rayson was also good in his own right too. True. Braylon could really shoot it. He could really shoot it. They didn't play a whole a whole lot, a lot of, a hell of a lot of defense, but they played a pretty darn good offense. And a lot of times, you know, in any conference other than the MAC, it can be tough for teams to keep up with that. Obviously, you look back at the record of that team, and <laughs> you see they were what 500. <laughs> so it wasn't great, but you had a couple of great scores in Keenan and Racing and I think that was kind of exemplified, you know, in that game against Miami. I'd have to look up the exact dates, but it was Miami of Ohio. And I know Keen had fifty points that game and he was pulling up from everywhere, you know, the logo. Watching that game on ESPN three, it's just like holy cow, it's kicking ball and I remember they were talking on college game day before the game and they were talking about like you know, mid-major guys, guys that can really score. And Jay Billis is like, you need to watch out for Marcus Keane. And sure enough, he goes out and scores 50. And so I think that was kind of incredible. Kind of put CMU on the map for a uh, a year. You know, and then Keane jumps to the NBA and Grayson does his thing in his own right. But, you know, just they couldn't put it all together. But for a couple of, you know, Saturday afternoons in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, they were the show. And I think that's something
0: really cool and can be explored a little later on. Yeah. And I, 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 I too, I remember that that episode of college game day. I don't remember where they were. I think they were probably at Kansas or something. Um, but I remember, yeah, I remember distinctly Jay Bill is saying something about Marcus Keene and um, just how, you know, dominant he was scoring the basketball. I honestly, and I don't know if it's on your list, so sorry if it is, but I, I, I thought for sure you were going to talk about the, the Western game. When when Keen yeah. scored a ton of points, I think yeah. fifty-one points or something Hit the like game that.
1: Winner. Hit, Hit the
0: game <laughs> winner, yeah. it's a buzzer-beater three to beat Western, and, and I mean he scored more than almost. I think he scored more than half of CNU's points. And
1: well, and the other one was when Antonio Brown came back. That was another one that I thought I might have to pull out for my list, but it's not going to be on it. But when Antonio Brown came back when they played Ball State, and I think both Keen and Racing went for forty that game. And they lost they lost in overtime. They did lose. But two guys combined for eighty points. So that's pretty incredible.
0: That that well, there's a, a couple of layers of incredible there. Yeah, forty points each out of out of two guys, but they, they lost.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That oh my god. That that kind of just spells out that entire season how that went. That's remarkable. <laughs> oh man. All right. On to number two, my number two now, uh, we're actually going to keep it in basketball, but it's not, it's not at McGurk arena. The 2018 NCAA tournament featured a team from Mount Pleasant, Michigan in the CMU Chippewas that, um, a lot of people expected a lot of people that maybe didn't necessarily know too much about the game expected just to bounce out in the first round and say, see you later. Um, no, uh, th- that that team uh, ended up making it all the way to the Sweet 16 um, after beating two nationally ranked teams in, in LSU and Ohio State in its home arena. Um, I remember watching the LSU game. I was actually up here visiting some friends. I wasn't a student. Well, I wasn't a student yet in either respect. Um, but I remember coming up here and watching that game, that um, the LSU game, And just kind of, at first I was just, I'll be honest, I was, I was one of those guys at first, like, oh, you guys, I mean, you guys care about the the women's team. Like, I didn't know much about the women's team before I came up here and saw how into it they were. Team one. Okay, sweet. Let's watch the second round game. And I mean, then they, 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 they took it to Ohio State in that game too. It wasn't really, I don't think it was that watching the game and trying to remember the game a little bit. I don't remember it being really all that close on the floor, maybe on the scoreboard it was, but CMU was in control of that game pretty much the entire way. I I felt like, um, and I, I just remember kind of like, hit like my jaw dropped when, when, when that game was done. And I, I was just so surprised that, um, CMU was able to to make it to the Sweet 16. Mainly, I was just happy that Ohio State lost because, you know, being from Michigan, I actually didn't grow up a Michigan fan, but, you know, I always love seeing Ohio State lose, um, you know, in a non-journalistic perspective. Um, so I think that that entire team, uh, but that, that moment when the buzzer, buzzer sounds um, in that round of 32 game, that... Um, that's, I think, my second favorite moment in uh, CMU sports history.
1: Yeah, they kind of ran into a buzzsaw saw with Oregon in that Sweet Sixteen. You know, you're talking about uh, shout out Andrew Loveland. He <laughs> is like the biggest Sabrina Eneski fan I've ever met in my life. Which I mean, she she's got skills, and she was a freshman at that time and nearly dropped a triple double against the Chippewas. You know? Yeah. So it, it's kind of, that was kind of an interesting storyline. Like I didn't realize that when they played, but yeah. Uh, ran into a buzzsaw, but yeah, had a really
0: good team, really, really good team there. It was cool to see all that play out. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, yeah, it was just a, a lot of fun and I, the Chippewas are going to the sweet 16. And, and then they interviewed, uh, Sue Guevara on the floor and just how that all transpired was just, um, it, it was, it was fantastic. It, was, it it's one of those that'll stick with me for a long time. All right. Number five, Christian Boer.
1: Yeah, so my number five, we're going to keep it um, in hoops. We're going to keep it in hoops. And, you know, I didn't really know a ton about the 2000, oh gosh, um, 15 team. The team that went to the MAC championship in the MAC tournament final I ended up losing, but the game before that, they played Toledo, and they put on one heck of a show. I mean, Chris Fowler is out there playing, and it was the first time I had really seen Central Michigan on national television. And so you had Chris Fowler, who was a senior. You had John Simons, a three-point shooter, who's a Cadillac native, uh, which is by where I'm from. So that was really, really cool to see. And then you had guys like Josh Kaczynski, who was a shooter. Uh, and then you know, I mentioned Rayson, who was a freshman at the time, another kid that could just light it up. So that was a really fun team to watch. And then the next year was the Keen year. And it just makes you think, you know, Keene would have been with that team, you know, had he not been red shirting that season because of the transfer rules. What, what could that team have been? You know, you make it to the Mac title game without him, you know, what could you have been? So I guess my number five is just that entire squad and all the things they were able to do with the Mac West championship and then making it all the way to the, uh, the Mac tournament final. And then, uh, ended their year in the NIT. So it
0: was just kind of cool to see him get that national recognition. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I'll I'll be honest. I'm right there with you. I didn't really know much about the 2015 team, but then you're able to see him on national TV and that, uh, kind of one of those neat moments. Um, kind of looking back on it, that team was pretty good too. Uh, Mm Um, obviously, like you said, made it to the, the tournament final, ended up losing, but, um, yeah, that's um, that it. From what I can kind of recall and gather from other people, that it was kind of an exciting, uh, exciting team, um, exciting time on campus too to uh, follow along with that team. Um, for sure. Let's hear that number one. Number one. Well, you already stole it. So uh, you know, I I don't know if you saw me go like kind of roll my eyes when uh, when you're talking about the CMU MSU game in tw- in two thousand nine. I figured that was going to be on your list, um, yeah, yeah. but that's still my number one. Um, but what kind of sticks out to me, obviously, you know, you had talked about, um, about the, the kick just to kind of change it up a little bit. Um, just the whole sequence with the late touchdown, the onside kick recovery, and then the, the long field goal, um, the, the miss. And then, and then the, I guess the, as you said, the the divine intervention to uh, yeah. get another chance, and then and then drills it, and CMU goes on to win. Um, yeah, I mean, and and you said it before, but you know, it was kind of like that that uh, cornerstone moment of of that entire season. I think. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it go on to win the the MAC championship and in the, the G Mac Bowl, but but that that Michigan State game, I think. Because, I, I, yeah, that Michigan State game, it, it just it, like I said, it was it was the cornerstone. It was a much-needed win, really, for, for the season. And, you know, seeing you end up losing that game, I think you go – I think you turn around and say, man, that's a – you know, ended up being a, a three-loss team at that point. And, um, you know, and then is that 2009 team still as great as it was? Maybe. But, you know, you have that confidence – you know, coming in after beating Michigan State on the road for the third time in, in in history, you kind of take that confidence and and use it in in the conference season. So, if Michigan State wins that game. Do we still see that same two thousand nine team with the with the magic that it was? I don't know, and I don't think so. But um, that's I think that it's, and the funny thing about that is as I was a diehard Michigan state fan when I was a kid, the big yikes. And and I remember that game very distinctly. I was so upset because central Michigan had upset Michigan state. I was, I was so angry. Like I didn't even watch the game, but I saw it on, on, um, on the highlights and just watching that kick go through. I was, I was, like, are you kidding me right now? But, you know, at the end of the day, kind of looking back on it, like, good. I mean, I'm glad Michigan State lost that game. Me too. Sure. Uh, yeah, well, obviously, yeah. But, uh, but no, that, that – like, man, I, I wish I would have been rooting for Central Michigan that day, uh, not only because, you know, that Chippewa's won that game, but, like, the underdog – like, you got to love the underdog. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, looking back on it, I'm just – just ma- it just makes me happy to uh, see Michigan State lose, I'll be completely honest with you, in, in that right. All right. You said you have some honorable mentions.
1: Yeah, I got a couple. Just yeah. some stuff from this past year, my first opportunity to kind of cover the team. All right, let's you hear know, it. you know, unbiased perspective, you know, when you're talking about things that are just cool experiences, you know – Central Michigan beating Toledo for the, for the Mac West title. It's just a, It was just really cool experience. The game was on Black Friday, so you know there weren't a ton of students there, but just the atmosphere, you know, the, the players excited. You go down on the field after the game and everybody's going crazy. Like Those are just things you don't forget. It's cool to experience all that stuff. And then on the basketball side of things, when they beat up on Bowling Green, You know, on a Tuesday night in February in Dallas, Morgan goes for 29 or whatever he went for. And David DeLeo ties the the all time record by hitting six three pointers to leave him tied with, you know, his teammate, former teammate Josh Kaczynski, who I talked about a little bit earlier. And uh, in the record books is the max all time leader. So those two moments from this year really just stand out to me. and and re- make me realize just how, how special of a year it was shaped up to be for Central Michigan Athletics. And it's a bummer that we didn't get to see the women's team in the, in the NCAA tournament or the, the baseball team even really play. So, or the softball team and, you know, the track team and gymnastics, which has always been a solid program here. So it just kind of makes me think about what could have been, you know, in the spring and in the late winter sports too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, um yeah, just that's actually one of my honorable mentions as well. Is that it's just the, the whole turnaround that that, that that football team had. And like you said, it kind of set the tone for what was really a pretty special year um, for CMU Athletics. I mean, the men's basketball team, pretty okay showing the non-conference, non-conference season, a little bit of a struggle um, in the back half of the year. Um but the women's team, I mean, it's just that the dominance that that th- that team showed. I mean, yeah, they had a couple of close games, but they were able to win those close games. And you know, wrestling had a had a strong season. Um, it, okay, moderately strong season. Um, gymnastics was was going along well under uh, Christine McDonald for the first season um, of her head coaching tenure. Um, but yeah, just kind of that kind of lose out on the on the on the spring sports and what could have been that. Um, yeah, it's disappointing to say the least. Did you have any others or was that, uh, was that
1: kind of the... too of... pretty much ran for me, man.
0: All right, all right. Well, I do have a couple. I have a couple of honorable mentions. I don't think we can talk about great CMU moments and games without mentioning the 2016 game against Oklahoma State. Yeah. The Hail Mary. Yeah. The, the Hail Mary that should have never happened, um, but it did. And CMU um executed perf- well executed perfectly to uh to go in there and upset oklahoma state um that was another one that um i was i was actually where was i no i was at home i was i was i was in west michigan i was actually getting ready to to head down to florida to go watch a game down in gainesville and um i remember florida was playing kentucky that day and I mean, the, the Florida Kentucky game was long <laughs> over because I mean Kentucky just no, not very good. Um, but I remember watching like seeing the end of the game again on a, on a on a um, stu- you know in a studio update. And again, my jaw just hit the floor because there's no way, there's no way, seeing should have won that game. Um, rules experts will tell you the same exact thing, but again, just to execute and go out and and take care of business. So that's, that's my, that's my top honorable mention um, on my list. Um, My up, my next, my next uh, honorable mention actually also involves Corey Willis. Um, He obviously was the guy that scored the, the touchdown against Oklahoma state. The 2017 game against Western at Waldo stadium Um, I was here in Mount Pleasant watching that game on, I think, ESPN2. I think it was a Wednesday night, November 1st, day after Halloween. And, um, you know, CMU was down in that game. Looked like that game shouldn't – another one that CMU should just not have been able to come back and win. Um, But they scored, I think, 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. Um, Capped off by Corey Willis, um, scoring, I think, I can't, I don't remember the exact yards, but I think it was just a 77 yard touchdown pass from Shane Morris. And, um, just watching that, that, the highlights of that game kind of going back and seeing Corey Willis just straight, straight down the, the middle of the field. I mean, there was no one around him, uh, wearing, wearing Derek Nash's 21 Jersey. I mean, that was Derek Nash was, was Corey Willis's best friend. Um, so watching watching willis score the game when he touched down to beat western wearing his best friend's jersey um you know that again that's just one of those i guess uplifting moments that oh, yeah. you don't you know and you don't really think about it in in that moment but then you realize oh he was wearing 21 how how special is that um so just that whole game and, and that moment of of that that touchdown with with willis wearing twenty one a lot of a lot of cME fans i think can recognize how important that is and um, how special that is especially for a guy like Corey willis my my last uh my last honorable mention going back to hoops um, you know just kind of one of those obscure things but the two thousand men men's bas- two thousand three men's basketball team um you know Felt felt like it was right to put put this team in there. Um, this is the last time CMU has won the MAC tournament and made the NCAA tournament. Um, beat Creighton in the first round. Met up with Duke in the second round. We won't talk about the Duke game. Um, but the so not only you know is is it CMU playing in the NCAA tournament and winning the first round game, but uh, actually. The, the late great Dick Enberg was on the call for that game for CBS sports. So that's kind of one of those things that, um, you know, again, you don't really think about it when it's happening, but when, when you have a guy like Dick Enberg calling, um, a CMU men's basketball game in, in, in the NCAA tournament, that's, that's pretty special. And especially the fact that they won that first round game, cause he was on the call for that game too. Um, one of, those, uh, one of those cool moments that, you know, you just kind of think about it and you're like, hey, that is pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, that's, you know, like I said, a little, a little obscure, a little bit different, but, you know, I felt like it was right to at least mention that
1: game. Yeah, you know, on the topic of Hail Marys, we didn't mention the Bahamas Bowl one. Oh. Which I would argue, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, I kind of forgot about it. Just because it's one of those things that kind of gets pushed under the rug. It was a bowl game. It was Christmas Eve, like, but, and, you know, you're thinking about that and, and the one guy that comes to mind is Titus Davis, who's obviously, you know, if you haven't heard, Titus Davis is going through some pretty tough stuff right now with the, you know, um, the rare kidney, the rare form of kidney cancer. He has diagnosed him and, you know, not to get too sober, but Titus obviously leads this, this program, Central Michigan's program and, just about every receiving category. He's a heck of a dude. You talked to his teammates and they all love Titus. And, you know, you've seen some guys on social media kind of rally around him and that's always good to see. So, you know, you can't really mention that play without talking about Titus. And certainly, you know, my, I know, I, I think I see for both of us, you know, we're here, we're praying, you know, journalistic duties aside, it's a human being we're talking about. And, and the prayers will always be with Titus and hopefully he's able to fight this thing. And, um, you know, that play will forever live on. You know, that him stretching for the end zone, you've got three or four different laterals in there. Cooper Rush is just throwing his shoulder out, trying to get the ball down the field. Cause they had go 75 yards and they did it. So that was pretty incredible. And it just makes you think about some of the luck that this program has had. It's just insane.
0: Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, I guess. But, uh, but no, that, that, that play, I think, and I think it really, I think that like, and I think you touched on two of the three reasons that it gets swept on, like kind of forgotten about. A, it was the Bahamas Bowl. Not many people watched the Bahamas Bowl, honestly. Yeah. Um, obviously, CMU was in it, but it was on Christmas Eve, so it kind of kind of stinks. But um, so, a, the Bahamas Bowl. B, it was a very lightly attended game. And the third thing I think really is 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 because CMU ended up losing the game. Yes. Yes. I mean they ended up. They, and it,
1: uh, right call, go for it, go for the oh, win. Oh yeah,
0: you just scored a seventy-five well, yard touchdown with throwing, yes. think, like seven or eight laterals. Go for it, just you go.
1: Absolutely, win. play for the win
0: there. Absolutely, and you know what? You can't. You, you didn't win, but you know what? You that. <laughs>
1: and not to mention, they were down by. What was it? Forty-two to fourteen at the start of the fourth quarter.
0: They were down huge again, an, and, and came an back. Incredible had, comeback. Had no business being even remotely close in that football game, and they were able to to you know, hold yeah. Western Kentucky. I think to just to, th- to the three points in um in the fourth quarter. So
1: much, so much had to go right at the end of that game because they scored to make it forty-nine, forty-two, and then they didn't get the onside kick and they didn't have any timeouts so they have the ball back with one second left. If that ball bounces on like the one, it doesn't go into the end zone, that clock runs out and the game is over. But because the ball bounced into the end zone and they got a second, they went down and scored. Like that's just one of the most spectacular things you could ever, you can't draw that stuff up.
0: No, that's that's just just chuck it downfield and, and hope. I guess like just chuck it and hope for it, you know? That's all you Shut can out. do
1: shout out Jesse Kroll. He caught the pass in the Bahamas bowl and he caught the pass in the Oklahoma state game. So his lateral game is second to none.
0: Absolutely. You know, he's, he's, you need, you need a lateral in a, in a pressure pack situation like that. He's your guy for sure.
1: Well, cause he's going to catch it. First of all, that's exactly. half the battle.
0: Exactly. He's, he's, he's going to make the catch and then he's going to, he's going to shovel it to whoever needs it. And uh, yeah, he's, he's your guy for that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like you said, um you know, thinking about Titus, you know obviously, if by chance uh you're listening to this titus we're we're hoping for you, we're praying for you, um, hoping that you're uh, able to make a full recovery and um
1: for sure. yeah.
0: you know be he- healthy and happy um, well, I think that that just about does it christian you got uh you got anything else before we wrap up?
1: No, sir. I think we covered all the bases. Sweet. Well,
0: guys, uh, thank, thank you so much for, uh, for tuning in and uh, watching here on, on YouTube or wherever you find your podcasts. Um, obviously not, they're not going to, there's not going to be a whole lot of sports talk for, for us to, uh, to go over. So if you have any, any fun ideas, any, uh, any lists that you'd like us to make kind of like, like today, if, if you enjoyed this episode, um, let us know, uh, you know, always shoot us an email at sports at cm life.com excuse me sports at cm life.com um, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at, at cm life sports both Christian and I are really easy to find um, on cm life sports if, if you can if you can uh, find that and uh, as always follow along with us at central michigan life on Facebook and cm life.com for not only all of your great not only for all of your chippewa sports coverage but for all of the coverage um, at cmu uh, as, as we battle through um one of the what is going to be the weirdest semester uh, we've ever yeah. seen um but i think that just about does it so for for christian and our wonderful multimedia slash podcast editor ben ackley for a job well done once again i'm austin chastain we'll talk to you guys again when we meet again